Hey everyone, thanks for downloading the show. As you know, this show couldn't exist without your generous support. So if you'd like to contribute and support the show, head over to the Brains Matter website and click on one of the green donation buttons. You can donate in US or Australian dollars, but if you have any other currency, don't worry, those will be automatically converted over. You could also consider becoming a patron of the show over at patreon.com slash brainsmatter and checking out the options there. Remember, this is your show, and without your support, it wouldn't be possible. Now on to the episode. Welcome to Brains Matter, the podcast on science, curiosities, and general knowledge. I'm your host, just an ordinary guy. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Brains Matter. Today on the show, I've got Dr. Anisha Patel, who's a structural biologist at the Walter and Eliza Hall Institute of Medical Research in Melbourne, Australia. So welcome to the show, Dr. Patel. Thanks, Ralph, and you can call me Onisha. <laughs> All right. So just as a bit of a starter, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in science to get to where you are today. Um, yeah, so I um, grew up in India, and I, in, in my childhood, I was interested in arts, and I was doing a lot of drawing and painting and a lot of observation, uh, drawing flowers and things from the nature and all that. And then slowly that got me curious about science. And there was a time, I think mid-school, um, where I was struggling with maths. And I felt that was, uh, that time, a bit of lack of confidence of, you know, where can I make it through science and maths later on or not? Mm. Um, and then my parents weren't um, really able to help me uh, with how to overcome that. And then my mom got help from a retired school principal who lived in the neighborhood. So she, I don't know what she actually did, but she somehow made me like maths. And that grew a lot of confidence uh, in my abilities. And I was just amazed by her knowledge on so many things. And that got me really um, started with liking maths um, and science. And then hit year 10, the time where we had to decide between science and commerce. And commerce basically includes, you know, a lot of um, um, arts subjects as well. So if you pick commerce later on the uni, you can be an accountant or something to do with arts. But if you picked science, then you can go in. Um, you know, medicine, engineering, um, science kind of field. So at the time, because I liked arts as well, and then all of a sudden I was made to choose between science and arts. And the question at the time I was asking, well, this is unfair, and why can't I do arts on the side as well? But obviously, okay, there was no choice. So I picked science with the logic that if I um, study science, I can always do art on the side, but it, it would be really difficult the other way around. And the fact that, you know, I did pretty well at it as well. So that's how 
got into science and be interested in um, STEM subjects. And in about year 11 or 12, I heard a story of um, Kiran Majumdar Shaw. So she's the CEO of the largest biopharmaceutical company in India. And during her 70s, she came to Australia to study brewing, which I thought was very unusual career for a woman. So then again, I was always, I always liked unconventional stories and unusual things. And I was just inspired by, okay, so she went to Australia to study, so I'm sure I can go to Australia and be a scientist. And education, as you said, raising, you know, growing up in Indian Asian families, education is a top priority. And in a way, it's sort of a way to live a better life and make a good living. And I knew that was a privilege to me because my parents didn't really have that chance. So I always worked hard, got a scholarship, came to Australia and got into, so finished my sort of a master's, converted that to PhD. And it was during this time I came across structural biology. That's what I do now. So structural, what is structural biology for those who aren't familiar with it? All right. So structural biology is a field of science that. Uh, looks at structures and shapes of biological molecules. So we all know that we are made up of cells, mm -hmm. trillions of cells, and each and every cell is made up of millions of molecules. And one of these molecules are called protein molecules. Mm -hmm. So we talk about proteins in the context of food, but biologically um, proteins are um, molecular machinery that makes life. So they, they often refer to as nature's robots. So as soon as they are made in our body, they start doing the job they're assigned to. And every protein has a very unique shape. So say physically, um, proteins make up our bones, muscles, skin, hair, nails, and then internally proteins are part of our immune system. So defend against infection. They're part of our part of our hormones, they're part of our enzymes, they help us digest food, etc. So we can't live without proteins. So is this and, why um, as, uh, astrophysicists get excited when they um, think that there's proteins on meteorites and things like that? Well, they're kind of, they're important components of life, right? They make life. So without proteins, we can't exist. Without proteins, life can't exist. Mm -hmm. And structural biology is a way of seeing these proteins. Um, and for me, being always visually oriented, it just drove me to this field because you can see it. And, you know, seeing is believing. So I guess if, if, I, if, there was, if it was any other branch of science, I probably would have got bored. But, um, yeah, I just like the idea of um, visual concepts. So that appealed to the, the artist's background in you? That's right, yeah. So what do you do at the moment at uh, Walter and Eliza Hall Institute? A large part of our biomedical research, you know, has been concentrated on a small fraction of human proteins. Mm -hmm. So almost one in every three human protein is understudied. That means we don't know enough of those proteins. We don't know. We don't have enough knowledge on those proteins. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we sort of working on understanding. Um, these proteins because what we have uh, what we know is that some of these proteins are involved in cancer now how exactly um, they cause cancer or whether um, 
mutations on them cause cancer or abnormal levels in our bodies uh, of these proteins cause cancer, we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know how these proteins look like. So that's where the technique of structural biology comes into it. So we start with basically looking at how they look. Once we have those structures, then we ask questions on their function. How do you firstly figure out how they look? What techniques do you use? And then once you see how they look, how do you work out, working backwards, what they actually do? So the techniques I mainly use are X-ray crystallography and cryo-electron macroscopy. And um, it's based on the ability of X-rays and electrons to interact with the biological matter. So for, ex- for example, in um, X-ray crystallography, I first need to start uh, by growing protein crystals in the lab which then I take it to the strain and synchrotron to access the high-intensity X-rays over there, which when passed through the protein crystals are scattered, and this results in you know, specific patterns that we then um, analyze and derive the structure of the protein from. However, the problem here is that growing crystals um, is the bottleneck because not all proteins can crystallize easily, especially if the proteins are really large um, or very flexible. Um, So in this case, I use cryo-electron microscopy, a technique which um, doesn't require crystals and proteins can be in solution. And we use high-powered electron microscopes uh, where Electrons passes through the protein sample and we collect images of protein molecules in different orientations and then analyze this to generate protein structure. And this technique, the cryo-electron microscopy, has actually transformed the field of structural biology recently, allowing determination of protein structures that were even impossible a few years ago. And when, so when you asked, um, how do we go backwards? So once you know the shape, um, you can, so shape, so basically form defines function. Mm-hmm. So what we do is then we have the shape so we can understand, okay, what different, within the protein, different components interact with each other. So proteins are made up of amino acids. And then we start doing some mutations and then um, putting these mutations back in the biological system to then understand that, okay, this part of uh, the protein is important for its function uh, because once you mutate this part, then it protein no longer functions. So that way we kind of use this knowledge visually to then understand um, the function uh, at a biological level. Okay, so one of the interesting things I'm working on currently is uh, on pseudoenzymes. So we know what an enzyme is. What's a pseudoenzyme? So pseudoenzymes are are proteins that look like enzymes, but they have lost their ability to work as enzymes. So enzymes, as we know, catalyze a biochemical reaction. Now pseudoenzymes, they look like physically look like an enzyme, but they have lost the elements that help enable um, a reaction to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since the Human Genome Project, um, we knew how many genes we had. And then scientists also identified that some of these genes 
made proteins, but they were not functional. So they consider they call them as dead dead enzymes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because they were dead enzymes, initially, no one was interested in understanding what they did. And over the years, what happened is people came to know that they were, even though they were dead in the sense they were dead for the main function, they were alive in other sense that they were helping um, regulate a lot of uh, important pathways in the cell. Mm-hmm. They, were, uh, they had ability to interact with other proteins in the cell. And these were also important. Mm-hmm. Um, and through, through actually through structural biology, once scientists started characterizing the dead, dead enzymes, they started understanding more about them and then started characterizing more about the function of these dead enzymes. So I'm working on a group of, uh, or a family of these dead enzymes that were identified, um, I think about 10 years ago. And again, um, they we didn't know what um, they did at the time, but we knew that they were important on uh, they were important to drive cell migration. So what that means is that their so cells can move from different parts of the body. So so this this ability to drive cells to move is controlled by lots of lots of um, signaling pathways and lots of lots of proteins and dead enzymes that I'm working on are one of the components that help with this. And this is important in the context of cancer because in cancer, I guess the cancer cell has to spread. Some cancers obviously acquire, I guess, increased ability of cell migration. And we have we know that these dead enzymes, they help in cancer progression, but we don't know how they do it. And mm-hmm. that's what my main um, focus is right now to understand um, how they do that. Once we do figure that out, does that then help us understand how we could prevent that spread? It sounds like there's almost like a secondary hidden capability for these dead enzymes that you're discovering. If once we understand that, once again, working backwards, will that help us understand how to prevent the spread of cancer or even come up with abilities to treat certain types of them? Yeah, so so if you can understand how the dead enzymes work um, and if you can understand how they can spread cancer, then we can design strategies, strategies to block them. So that's obviously the main goal in, in future. But mm-hmm. right now we're sort of focusing on asking fundamental questions about these enzymes yeah. Yeah. because they are understudied. Is that type of technique applicable to other conditions outside of cancer? Yeah, so, so they, I mean... Drug discovery is basically designing new medicines that can stop protein functioning. So, so say, for example, proteins are often mutated. So a lot of cancer can be caused due to mutations in proteins. And the way we target these proteins are by designing drugs against them. A related but slightly different topic. Um, you won a Superstar of STEM award by uh, Science and Technology Australia. So can you tell me a little bit about that and what you won that for? So superstars of STEM, it sounds a fancy award, but I'm sure there are pl- plenty of superstars <laughs> of STEM uh, around. But it's superstars of STEM is a program uh, by uh, Science and Technology Australia. And the program is to basically smash stereotypes of women in STEM. So STEM is in science, technology, engineering, mathematics. 
um, and create like a critical mass of uh, visible role models who can encourage the next generation of young students in STEM and are through this role. So, so currently in our current cohort, we are 60 of us. This has the first cohort, which was in 2017, had 30. I, I felt really honored and privileged to be part of this program. And the reason I applied is because I didn't have the role models I was I wanted when I was young. And mind you, the, the, the word role models and mentors have only picked up in the last, you know, five to 10 years. Like mm-hmm. when I was growing up at school, there was no mention about role models and mentors. And you kind of look up to your parents or extended family or your teachers. But to me, I guess for my own interest in art and science, I had no one who I can look up to and said, oh, I've done both uh, and this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely was very keen on this concept of that, you know, you can have multiple passions in life and you can um, carve your own future. And, and with, the, with the Superstars of STEM program, that's exactly, it's giving me a platform and it's given platform to other uh, women who are part of this cohort to uh, be this role model. So you, you mentioned the ability to, to chase your passions. Your example is one of you were, you had to choose between art and science, but now you, you've got the combination of both. How do you then promote that message when you talk to potential future female scientists? Uh, I use art. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so when I visit school, one of the first, I guess, images I probably put up is about an art created through my scientific work. Mm-hmm. So the art, I guess, the visual drives attention first. And then I start talking about the factual information behind the artwork. Uh, and that's where I bring the science that I do. So can you uh, describe that particular artwork? Can I describe it? Oh, wow. <laughs> I've never been asked to describe an art. Oh, look, I've made a number of different um, artworks. So I'll, I'll pick the one that we just spoke about before on drug discovery. Mm-hmm. So I made this artwork called Protein Caves, and I used that artwork to explain how new medicines are made. And I also got an, like a People's Choice Award on that artwork in 2017, which I was amazed But it's a very bright colored artwork. Uh, almost looked like lollies splashed on a piece of paper. Colorful mm-hmm. lollies splashed on a piece of paper. But the artwork is basically showing shape of a protein. So it has got unusual um, uh, shape, uneven mm-hmm. shape. And that was to show that proteins are not smooth. Um, they have uneven shapes, lots of grooves. And then within this shape, there is like a deeper cave. Mm -hmm. And that's the deeper cave that one of the proteins that I'm working on has. And scientists explore these caves to then design molecules to bind into this cave and then block the protein from doing its job. So it's basically like lock and key. So if you were to design a key to a lock, you need to know what the shape of the lock looks like so that your key can fit into the lock. So similarly, for designing new medicines, the idea is that you need to see the shape of your target molecule, Mm -hmm. and then you can design the specific small molecules that can 
sort of specifically block this cave in your target molecule. So with the Superstar of STEM program, how does that operate? Um, so the program gives us, so the program's kind of a advanced media training. So we went through a lot of workshops to the programs and then they, then there's, you know, times we get a call out to offer expert opinion or uh, this is in the media. And mm -hmm. if we have, you know, expertise in certain areas and you want to give a commentary on it and our role is to go to school. So we um, seek out different schools within the area we live in or um, outside in the remote areas and ask the teachers if they're interested in having us. Mm -hmm. We talk about our journey in STEM, difficulties along the way, and how we do what we do now. Um, so that's how uh, we promote. That's how we promote STEM. So for those who wish to engage with your program, how, how should they go about it? The Science and Technology Australia, they have a website. So if you go within the website, there's a Superstars of STEM section. And then there's also a little um, place where you can fill up request for a Superstars of STEM. So you can request and uh, give a call out that you need a Superstars with this particular expertise, whether it's, you know, math, science or engineering, anything that the teacher wants um, the students to uh, know more about and mm -hmm. then you can engage um, like that uh, and a lot of the superstars are also on very on social media platforms so you can also reach to them directly mm -hmm. um, so I know that there's some um, teachers who reached me via LinkedIn or Twitter so we, we so the whole purpose was us to become visible so we are on the various social media platforms mm -hmm. um, promoting our work and hopefully, even in just doing that, you're firing the next generation of um, STEM students, male and female. Exactly, yep. So that reminds me that I actually want to promote an exhibition called PDV Art, which um, is an outcome of my collaboration with the Protein Data Bank in Europe and View Bank College uh, School based in Melbourne. So... Protein Data Bank is, is the European resource for the uh, collection, organization, and dissemination of data on protein structures. And they have been doing PDB art exhibitions with um, schools in the UK for the last five years. And last year, I started you know, planning to bring this exhibition to Australia, uh, working with um, the teacher from Viewbank College. And um, we decided to, you know, organize this exhibition this year. And despite it being a difficult year for students, they have produced some amazing artwork combining science and art. Um, so the work of Viewbank College um, in Melbourne will be exhibited with more than 300 plus work of um, schools based in, in the UK. And you will find this exhibition by searching PDB Art Exhibition 2020 Molecules of Life on Google. And it will take you to the right link. And it is free to view virtually. Um, so please check it out. So I actually think that the, uh, the ex-principal that you talked about earlier should uh, be a superstar getting you to be interested in maths when you weren't. <laughs> uh, that's right. That's right. She, you know, she, she was... She was, she was doing this completely voluntarily and as a way to help, um, which I thought 
it was very kind to for someone to do that and in 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 india you often see this kind of generosity that people have this sort of a community Spirit. values mm-hmm. yeah just helping each other in times of difficulty and yeah she somehow managed to keep me on the track because otherwise i think i would have just become an artist or something <laughs> what's next for you what what are you going to be working on in the near future i think whatever projects we have they're actually really long term so different aspects of um what i just described before on on these um proteins so one is obviously the dead enzymes and then the second protein is another enzyme which i'm trying to understand it has got multiple different functions in the body and i'm trying to basically use structural biology as a way to understand these multiple different functions mm-hmm. research is one of those areas that you can never give a timeline on <laughs> what is future because you you basically doing we're basically asking questions you know it's, every, it's an iterative process isn't it yeah exactly um and, and we don't really know when we will get those answers mm. um, but they can lead to more questions so we cannot we can answer uh, um, those questions that can lead to more questions and go on uh, but but um, the main idea is to uh, understand these understudied um, targets and as you come up with things that you discover or discover new questions that you want to ask you're more than welcome to come back on the show and share it with the listeners if i get some exciting results i'll definitely come and want to talk about that <laughs> uh, so anisha thank you very much for your time today no worries thanks so much for having me on your show Thanks for listening to the show. You can check out the Brains Matter website at www.brainsmatter.com as you can find all the other episodes of the show there. There's also other information on the site such as guests who've been on the show and subscription details. You can also find Brains Matter on YouTube, so make sure you like and subscribe if you're a YouTube listener. If you want to support the show, please consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com/brainsmatter and signing up to one of the options there. Or you can donate either once off or regularly via PayPal. All you need to do is click on one of the PayPal donation options on the right-hand side of the website. If you have any comments or suggestions, you can leave an entry on this episode's show notes on the webpage or on YouTube, or you can send me an email. All my contact information can be found on the Brains Matter website. The theme music Soul of the Machine was composed and performed by Clive Weeks and is used with his permission. I hope you enjoyed the show. Bye for now.